Well, tonight, <laughs> we're going to stand and worship. We'd love for you to join us. Yeah. 
Good morning, Westgate Chapel. My name is Adam Just, uh, serving as the executive pastor here at Westgate. And here at Westgate, we have a mission statement that we like to live by. It has three main pieces to it, which first is to be a church that is making disciples, growing with Jesus, engaging with each other in community, and three is to be reaching our neighbors and, and nations. So I'm um, grateful for all of you to join with us here this morning as we worship, um, especially those that are worshiping with us online. We welcome you as well. Hopefully you're able to grab your sermon notes page on the way in. On the back of that it has information about upcoming events, things that are happening next year in January 2024. Also, in the pew rack in front of you, we have connect cards. These are great ways to sign up and connect. So if, if you've been here a while or your first time here, you can still use these, share a prayer request with us, seek more information. And if today is your first time and you want to fill that out, you can take that after the service to our guest center um, back in the main lobby. And we have a gift uh, for you this morning. 
And so as we continue to rejoice in the Lord for today's the day that he has made, um, let's engage with, with each other by standing up, greeting one another, and share with someone what was one of a, what, what highlight that you want to share, something that God has done in your life in 2023.
Praises before 
us hope You give us healing Now we're surrendering You give us hope You give us healing Praise to the King Life. Yes, you do. You have forgiven. Oh, God, you canceled sin. Came within. Life begins. Oh, God, you canceled sin. have a seat. So we continue in our our worship this morning. Another way that we worship is by giving back uh, to the Lord, uh, stewarding our tithes and offerings that have been richly uh, given us. And so I'll pray for us and then we can uh, receive this morning's offering. Jesus, you're the one, as we just sang, that makes us whole. You're the one, glory is due to you, to your name. God, we praise you and worship you with all that we have, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Part of that is also returning back to you what you have graciously given to us. Uh, These tithes and offerings, God, may they be used for your work kingdom. We thank you for entrusting us with them. We do it for your glory. Amen. I invite you, if you're here on the first level here, to pass those buckets out to the sides. Our ushers will help and collect those. And if you're in the balconies, they go from the outside in.
a few weeks ago, I came into the office and uh, the way most of our offices are set up, we have a laptop computer that then gets plugged into a secret black box. And that secret black box has other cables going into and out of it, and two of the cables go to other monitors. And so plug the laptop in, not only does it charge, it, but it also brings up multiple screens, and I feel like uh, a TV producer or, or something where you have all these screens and, you know, with, with the work ahead for the day. So I came in about two weeks ago and plugged the computer in, and what usually happens didn't. So nothing happened. The light didn't turn on. Uh, the screens didn't light up. Um, and I did probably what most people would do. I then unplugged it and plugged it back in again to see if that would change anything. It didn't. And I did it another time and another time. It still didn't work. So after a while, maybe I thought, oh, it just needs like a five-minute rest. So I, I, I left. I kind of did some other things around the church building here, came back to it, and it still, I thought maybe it wasn't charged or it didn't work. Then I thought Pastor Rob was playing a joke on me. I looked underneath to make sure it was plugged in, and it was still plugged in. Um, finally, I broke down and, and got Brian, who is our, our media and, and IT uh, director here, and he walks in, and he takes a look, and he says, oh, like in four seconds. He's like, I know exactly what, what the problem is, is there's a button on this secret black box in the back of the computer that you push that button and you hold it for like 30 seconds and it resets it. <laughs> and he says, every once in a while, like new updates or there's like junk that gets stored on these microchips or whatever and you have to reset it. And I was like, okay. Well, Coming into a, a new year, as we're here on the final day of 2023, looking ahead into 2024, I wonder if looking into a new year, if many of us, we kind of hold it the same way as like an opportunity to reset uh, a few things, right? We To reset life. We can look back into 2023 at uh, what's happened in our lives, um, the, the, the good experiences that we've had, the highlights, and, and even like starting in December, I, I, I feel like they usually start listing out the top 10 things of the year, top 10 news stories, top 10 pictures, top 10 sports moments, top 10 recipes, uh, whatever it is of the year. Um, one highlight for me is uh, we got to, I've never seen the, the Grand Canyon, um, but we got to, over spring break, go out and see the Grand Canyon. I've, I've wanted to see the Grand Canyon my whole life. I've never been out west. I got to see it. It's a big hole, and uh, it, it, it is beautiful, but that was uh, a highlight. And for many of us, we look back at highlights of, of the year, things that we've experienced, maybe uh, the work that God's been doing in our lives, and hopefully we've, we've grown a little bit from, from 2022 to 2023 and now into 2024. We also then can look back at the year, and we take stock and notice of things that have changed that have been challenging or, or difficult. Um, usually there's a reflection of people that aren't with us uh, anymore. And we look back at uh, uh, hard, hardships that have happened, maybe a, a job change or a loss of, of a friend or a family member or tension that could be in a relationship that you have. 
um, as well as looking at the good things, but also we reflect back on the hard things of life. And then we, we hit the reset button. We kind of look into 2024 and see, okay, God, what do you have next? What hopes do we have? What do we, what do we want and hope to have this next year be about? And in many ways, we just don't know, right? We, we don't know. And that's where we really trust. So my hope for us this morning is to take uh, a few moments uh, of our time to look into God's word into this passage uh, that Jesus speaks uh, to us from Matthew 11. And this is a passage where Jesus invites us. There's like multiple invitations. I think there's at least three invitations that he gives to the people uh, in Matthew 11. And for us this, this time, I would hope that if I could frame it in a way that these questions, these invitations, might offer opportunities for us to hit the reset button. To be able to ask, okay, Jesus is inviting me here. How can 2024 look different than in 2023? So uh, if you have your Bible, um, I found mine. I lost it with all the confetti happening. Um, And our custodians, I'm so sorry. I need to write them a very long apology letter. Um, It is everywhere. Please take some home um, if you can. Grab a handful. Um, so Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and what I'd like us to do, if we could stand up again, stretch our legs, if you're able to, and I'd like us to say this and read this together. You know, the, the words of Jesus, if we can read this together. So beginning in verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. Have a seat. Thank you. So in this passage, we start back at verse 28. The first words that Jesus is saying is, is come. Come to me. Come to him, he is saying. And these invitations that we have are first to to come to Jesus. He invites us to come to him. And then he says, take my yoke upon us. And then the third invitation is to learn from him. So we're going to look at come to Jesus, come to him, take my yoke, and learn from from him. Okay, that's the the, the framework we're going to go through. So the first one, come to me. And I think what's really exciting about this and if, if we let it sit in deeply, maybe it, as I've held this, it's just an invitation that um, it moves me. That Jesus is saying, come to him. That we, serve, we love and serve a God of invitation. We love and we serve a God of invitation. And this invitation, we can imagine that in the whole context of, of Matthew 11, Jesus has been traveling around the, the cities, villages, around uh, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, going from one town to another. He's preaching and doing miracles, and he comes to this point where he's talking, and we can imagine and picture a crowd of people around him that probably has his disciples are there, 
probably also a collection of others that are following closely uh, after, after him that have maybe seen the miracles, heard his teaching, and are attracted to Jesus. So they're there with him as well. And there's probably some that are, are, are ill, that they're sick, that they're lame, and they are hoping for, for healing. Um, and there's also probably another population of uh, religious leaders or, or Pharisees that would also be in that area. And they're, they're checking in. They're trying to do their due diligence on this person that is um, speaking on behalf of God as a prophet for what, what they know. And, and they are learning and hearing what, what Jesus is saying. And they're seeing what he is doing. And so we can imagine that this population is there. And so Jesus is looking upon them. And in other places in the Gospels, we, we see that Jesus looks upon the crowd with, with compassion, or he looks and he sees what is happening, what's going on. We understand as the Son of God, he also can see deeper into who we are and what's really going on, into our, our hearts, minds, and souls, and our thoughts. And, and he looks upon them and he says, all of you come to me, for you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So he sees the people, and he sees their weariness. He sees the way that they are tired, exhausted, run out of life or hope or energy, whatever it could be. He sees it. He sees their burdens, the way that they are uh, worn down. Another part in, in Luke 11, uh, verse 46, Jesus is talking about the burdens that the religious leaders place upon them. And so these burdens could be you know, these laws or commands that they are trying to live up to and trying to fulfill. And he sees that. He probably looks around and might see some Roman soldiers off in the distance, and he knows the, the oppression that the people are feeling, and that is a burden, that is a weariness that he is aware of. And so he gives that amazing invitation to all. Come to me, he says, if you're weary and burdened, and he will give us rest. And that invitation is still good for us here 2,000 years later. That he knows our weariness. He knows our burdens. He knows what we are tired of, what we are sick of, what we hope to have different or changing in our lives. He notices and sees the hurt our suffering and what we are enduring and experiencing. And he knows the way that life has beaten us up. Like all these things in 2023 that have been hard and challenging and difficult, he knows it, he sees it. He has seen you walk through it. I would say for the most of us, we're aware of Jesus' presence with us in it. And no matter what happens uh, with us in 2024, he's with us and he sees us and he knows us and he's still inviting us to come to him. A second piece of this invitation is it's an invitation. Has anybody ever received an invitation to a party that you said no or declined? Sure. We can't go to everything. Everything. 
throughout Jesus' teachings or his parables as well, we see that he issues invitations. And some people accept and some people don't. And so Jesus, God, does not force us. God doesn't force his way. There is a choice. We get to choose. Jesus gives us a choice. Earlier in this passage, verses like 20 through 24, in those towns that he's been going around, he specifically then says woes against them. Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. For the people that he says, I've done these, I've taught these things, I've done these miracles, and you did not change. You did not accept this invitation. You did not repent. There will be a consequence. There will be an eternal consequence for you. So God doesn't force the choice or force the decision. It's an invitation that we can say yes or no to. And we know, we believe there will be eternal consequences, eternal results for the choices that we say yes or no to. But he doesn't force his way. Doesn't force his way. So why, why should we or why could we accept and receive this invitation from what we read? Weary, heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Does that sound nice? She's pretty good. That he will give rest. I will give you rest, which is a, you know, a direct quote from um, Exodus 33. So there are times in Scripture, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation where someone's challenging you in your faith, where someone comes up to you and might say, you know, Jesus never said that he was God, right? That's something that Christians have just made up, right? Well, actually, the, the Gospels say that, you know, several times Jesus says that, that he is God. One of these ways right here, it's an explicit way, um, that he's, he's actually claiming to be God because he is saying and doing what God does. So if we look back at Exodus chapter 13, verse 14, no, Exodus 33, I messed that reference up in the first service too. Exodus 33, verse 14, says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So Jesus saying, come to me, he wants to be present with us because I will give you rest. So Jesus is saying and doing the same things that the Lord does. And we would say this is evidence that Jesus believed and understood that he was God and claimed that he was God. So what does this mean? What kind of rest is he talking about? If we look at what Jesus is quoting from Exodus, this is the next thing that happens is they are going, leaving Sinai, and then they're going into the wilderness, which is not necessarily a place where I would think it would be restful. The rocks, the lack of water, the lack of shade. It's not comfy. It is not cozy. But God says that's where you're going to have rest. Why? Because he's with them. And so if we're into thinking that the rest that God wants to give us is an easy life, is a comfy life, a cozy life, I think if we read the entirety of Scripture, we can't really come to that conclusion. Because following after Jesus is not easy or comfortable. 
However, the promise here is that the presence of God is with us. That Jesus is going to be with us in all the things of life. And the rest comes in when we are experiencing the hope of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, and the love of Jesus, what we've been talking about this past month. When we're living in that truth and trusting in the Lord, that's when we experience a rest, a rest in our heart, mind, and soul, that we can rest in the grace and love and forgiveness of God. And we can rest from trying to strive for perfection ourselves when we know that we can't attain it. It's only through Christ and his grace and forgiveness that we have rest. So a question, what's your answer to that first invitation? Jesus says, come to me all. We can say yes, we can say no. Will you accept Jesus' invitation to come to me? The second invitation is the yoke. Take my yoke upon you. If you don't know what a yoke is, this is a yoke. Um, There's a couple definitions and uses in, in, in God's word about yoke. Uh, the first is that this is a, like a farming tool, a farming agricultural implement that you would put, you know, an uh, ox head here, another one over here, and you'd pair two of them together and you'd attach some ropes attached to a plow and they would go and they'd pull the plow through the field and um, they be, would be paired together. So many times in scripture, this is the yoke that's referred to and when we read that um, Elijah came up and when he kind of... Uh, selected Elisha, the prophet, to kind of follow after him. Uh, Elisha was out plowing the field with a yoke of oxen. That's what it means. You had two oxen, and he was just doing that thing, and Elijah said, hey, you're doing something else now. Or Job, it was said that Job had 500 oxen, 500 yoke of oxen, so like 1,000 ox in. And that's a lot. And so that's, this is the first picture is like an agricultural for, for animals, right? A second picture that we get from scripture about when yoke is used uh, refers to like a, a ruling power or describes, uh, what is it? The power or rule over another. That someone is under the yoke, under the weight, under the burden, under the power of someone else. And so this is used of the Israelites in Egypt. It said that Egypt had a yoke upon Israel and the Hebrews. And then when they were led out through the Exodus, God broke that yoke. Another time, the prophet Nahum and he, he is speaking for the Lord, and he's talking about the Assyrians who came and kind of overpowered and um, kicked out Israel and were threatening Judah in the times of two, uh, two kingdoms. And they said that 
the God will come and remove the yoke of oppression of the Assyrians from his people. Also, the, the kings, Solomon, the third king, the one that was so wise, it was said, the people said that his, his yoke upon the people was a heavy burden. And the people, when Solomon died, said about the son Rehoboam, said, help him uh, remove the yoke because your father had a heavy yoke. And Rehoboam went and got some advice. He didn't like the advice. And he decided to say, oh, if you thought my father's yoke was heavy, mine will be much heavier. So yoke is also used in that kind of second way of like a power, like a crushing upon someone. And a third usage of, of yoke in scripture, what we find, and I think it was one that's probably most applicable in, in, in our passage this morning, is one of a like relationship connection. Because a, a yoke would always, you need to be paired up. Like I, if I put this, I'm not going to try, I can't fit my head through there, but if I would try, I can't do this by myself. I need to be paired up with another and so we have this understanding from Scripture that, that God wanted to be yoked with his people. And he says that you have tossed off my yoke and you've accepted, like in Psalm 106, you have accepted the yoke of Baal, a false god, and you've worshipped false gods. And you have accepted a yoke That isn't what God desires for us. In Jeremiah, the prophet wrote about this yoke. It says, you have thrown off your yoke, my yoke, and gone to have worshipped other gods. Because it was thought to be of your yoking yourself in a relationship. Even Paul kind of writes about this in 2 Corinthians. He writes, do not be yoked with unbelievers. And I think there's all kinds of relationship wisdom there when it talks about who are we yoking ourselves with? Or who are we yoking ourselves to? The culture and world that we are in wants us to yoke with them. Wants us to be yoked. The yoke of our world is different than what God is asking of us. And so we get to decide what yoke or who are we going to be yoked with. And so Jesus offers the invitation, take my yoke upon you. And the picture there is come. Jesus is saying, hey, come and be yoked with me. Because when you're yoked, and hopefully we're letting Jesus take the lead here, which is the third invitation, but if Jesus says, go this way, I'm yoked, we're connected. Okay, we're going this way. Here I go. And at times we might find ourselves, Jesus is wanting us to go this way, but we're like, mm. you feel that strain occasionally in your life? Being pulled the opposite direction. 
world's calling us this way. Jesus like, no, let's head this direction. So the second invitation is the yoke. Take my yoke upon you. And once we have that yoke, we've said yes. Jesus invites us to come to him. Yes, take my yoke. Yes, I'll do that as well. Then the third invitation, to learn. It says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. To learn from the Lord requires a heart and an attitude of humility and teachability. The idea of sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, I want to learn from you. I want to be taught by you. And we understand since Jesus is gentle and he is humble, wouldn't you rather learn from someone who is gentle and humble than someone that's like a a dictator forcing us? For that is who he is. And then what are we supposed to learn at the feet of Jesus, being yoked with him? I think there's another clue at the end of this verse that what we're supposed to uh, learn. At the end of verse 26, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, a Bible study trick here. Most of us, if you, I mean, probably if you're using a digital Bible this morning or if you're using the paper version, uh, I think most versions of the Bible have like a letter after that word, at the end of that verse, right? And we read that, and I look over here, and I see this column that tells me, oh, Jeremiah 6.16. If I go and read that, I'll, I get an understanding that Jesus, again, is quoting He is quoting from the prophets. He is quoting from Jeremiah 6.16. Now, we have this hint. We have this, I don't want to call it a hint. It's not a secret. It's it's there for us to know how to use. Don't ignore those. You can go and look up those verses to understand a bigger context of what's happening. But in Jesus' day, that crowd that he was saying and inviting to this, to come and learn from him. And he says, and you will have rest for your souls. When they would have heard this, they would have understood there's a bigger picture happening. There's a greater context happening at that time. Because they would have understood, oh yeah, he's quoting the prophet Jeremiah and and what was going on here. They threw off, Jesus mentioned yoke. Oh, chapter two, they, they threw off the yoke. And now Jesus is also quoting to this verse. So we can do this as well. Um, if I would say four score and seven years ago, what am I talking about? Anybody? I hear mumbling. The Gettysburg ago, the Gettysburg address. And so we're starting to get, so we, we hear that. Our minds go there. Gettysburg address. Who, was, who spoke the Gettysburg address? 
And what was the situation? What was the context? What was happening? Civil war, slavery, all men shall be created equal. Right? So we hear that, those words, and then the whole picture starts to form. Right? We can do this again. One small step for man. So five words, one small step for man. You guys finish that sentence. And what's the context? What's the picture? Walking on the moon. Who walked on the moon? Neil Armstrong. And what was also happening in the world? There was a, a space race happening too, right? So we, I said five words, and we get a whole big picture of what's happening. We can do another one. I have a dream. Four words. What's the picture? Martin Luther King Jr. Where? Washington, March on Washington, 1963. So I said four words, and a big picture happens. Let it go. Three words. What's, what's the story? What's the context? Frozen. Elsa, you know, conceal, don't feel, all, all this stuff. And that was just three words. So we get the idea of like someone can say something and it triggers a whole picture for us, right? Following that? So Jesus here is saying, you will find rest for your souls. And kind of in that same fashion, the Jewish hearers would have picture. Jeremiah, boom, the picture would have come into view. The whole passage, the whole understanding of what was going on in the nation at that time with the yoke. So let's look at Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk on it. And you will find rest for your souls. But we serve a God who gives us an invitation. He doesn't force his way. We will not walk in it. Sherry, who's up there doing the slides this morning, we was going over the slides and um, this is just, I thought this was funny. And really has nothing to do with the message. And she said, oh, I know that verse. That is on uh, my wall. I have that verse on the wall. It says, but except the, but you said we would not walk in it. That was taken off. How often do we do that? How many love Jeremiah 29? Many of you do. Let's read the whole context, right? If we get the whole picture of what's happening Oh, this is a hard passage. This is a hard verse. This is a hard truth where there is choice, but you said we will not walk in it. So here we are with Jesus so many years later doing a same invitation. And so when he says, learn from me, we, and he says, back to this verse, we look at what are we supposed to learn? Well, you stand at the crossroads and you look. And I think the reset button of coming in from 2023 into 2024 is a great time for us to stop and stand at the crossroads, hit the reset button, ask, and look. 
I mean, you can have a crossroads. Hopefully you ask you know, every day, God, what do you want me to be doing? But specifically this morning, God, I'm looking into this new year. What do you want me to have my life be about here in 2024? Realize that most of us don't even know what's happening the rest of the day. But stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And Jesus wants to be our teacher who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who was there and present in creation. Of course we'd want to sit at his feet and learn from him. And ask, what is the good way? And walk in it. Does anybody remember what the early Christians were called before they were Christians, called Christian? I heard it. Followers of the way. Way before Star Wars came up with that. Followers of the way. Because there is a way, there is a path for us to journey on. And Jesus wants us to learn from him and walk that path together with him. And so we can sit and we can read the, like the Sermon on the Mount and allow like that truth to just come and uh, impact our heart and the Holy Spirit comes and, and can convict us. Because as we sit at his feet and as we learn, as we come to Jesus, as we have the yoke, as we learn, I think there's three things that we can discover. Well, there's a lot of things, but three that I have for you today. The first, in that learning from Jesus, we might discover that we could be wrong We might discover that we could be wrong, and hopefully our hearts will be teachable enough to acknowledge that. I am not up here declaring that I know everything. Very, very far from it. I just want to say each and every day, I want to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, and if there's a way that is offensive in me, please reveal that. Convict me. And we might discover that we are wrong. Do we have the humility to say that? As we allow God's word to change us and reform us and reframe us, a second thing might happen is that in learning from Jesus, we discover how truly amazing he is. Sometimes I think we might misuse the word awesome. We use awesome a lot for maybe trivial things, but our God is awesome. And when we sit at the feet and learn, I think our understanding of how awesome our God is can only grow. And so when we gather and we, we worship together, 
Those songs that we're singing is coming up out of hearts that have been moved and stirred all week long because our God is amazing. Our God is awesome. His love and his pursuit of us all the days of our life are worthy of our worship and our praise. And we can with confidence walk in our world and say, I worship an amazing God. I think a third thing that we learn when we have the yoke at the feet of Jesus is we get to discover how much deeply loved we are. We might discover how loved we really are. Like the truth of what Jesus has done that, you know, while we're still sinners, he came and died for us because he wants to be with us forever. That he took all of our like guilt, shame, everything that we should be punished for, and he took it upon himself on the cross. He did that because he loves us. He did that because the, the, the invitation is sincere. He says, come to me because he loves you. And he shows us the full extent of that love. I mean, as we sit with this, as we sit and we learn from Jesus, we understand, wow, you love me. We just get moved. Our hearts get changed. Our hearts get transformed by the love of God. But it does take us to receive the invitation to say, yes, God, I, I want your yoke. And finally, this last piece, you know, for many of us, we might still struggle with this idea of a yoke because this looks daunting or this seems heavy, right? But Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's because he's with us. He is the one really doing all the lifting and the pulling and we're walking the path along with him. And the one final piece, I, I think, which makes, additionally makes the yoke easy and the burden is light, is I, 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 don't, I never think that we were made to carry this alone. Many of us try to carry this alone. But we weren't made to carry this alone. He doesn't expect us to carry this alone. So if you look to your right, look to your left, who's next to you? People, you may know them, you may not. If you don't know them, greet them and get to know their names. Because we are to be walking with the yoke with each other in this community of believers. 
And when we are doing this together, the Bible says we encourage each other, we are to spur each other on, we are to pray for one another, we are to help lift each other up, to carry each other's burdens. And that's done in community, not alone. So this week, as we flip the calendar from 2023 to 2024, I invite you to take some intentional time as the reset button happens and journal somewhere or write on the sermon notes that gave you some white space there. Talk about it with somebody. What's God leading you to reset in your life? Maybe it is this first invitation to come to him. Maybe it is to take the yoke and maybe there's some work of confession that needs to happen that you've been trying to walk a different yoke. And he wants you to come back to him. Or what is it that he wants you to teach you and so that you would learn from him? Who is gentle and who is humble? Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, as, as we enter into, we say goodbye to 2023 and we say hello to 2024, God, we do this um, by your grace. We do this knowing and willingly saying um, you are good and your faithfulness endures forever. Jesus, we want to come to you and we want to be yoked with you. So through your spirit, may you give us the strength to do so, to say yes and to um, submit ourselves to you. We do this um, for your glory. Amen.
this morning if you want to come to the altar come forward and receive prayer we have Tom and Mary Pat over here and uh, Bob and Jerry up front over here that would love to love to pray for you so please come just let them pray uh, for you whatever God has been placing upon uh, your heart that you feel like you want to receive prayer for so come forward and, and, and see them um As you go out this week, may you receive the invitation. May you take his yoke and know that it is easy and 
light with him. Do this through the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy New Year.